You know, I like to equate a goat show to like recharging your battery. Yeah. Because you 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 put all this time and effort into your goats, and you work so hard with them. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you you're the only one that looks at them most of the time. So whether I'm judging or someone else is exhibiting, I look at like a goat show as a way to recharge your battery. All right, welcome to back to another episode of Goat Gap here. I'm Cameron. And I'm Laura. And we are here to talk about putting on a stellar dairy goat show today on our episode. Cameron, speaking of dairy goat shows, I know that's where you're at right now. You want to talk a little bit about what's going on with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent today and I flew in last night to judge the uh, Little Rock or to judge in the Little Rock, Arkansas, to judge the Arkansas State Fair Youth Show, uh, which was different than last year. I judged the open show, um, but all in all, it was a great show. How many how many animals did you have? So we did 166 plus two classes of showmanship. Um, So fairly efficient show that came through uh, started at 830. And as we do showmanship and and judges, whatnot, tend to I hope that judges tend to take more time with showmanship than they do uh, other shows. uh, Or excuse me, the senior and the junior doe show, because uh, that's really where you get to work with the youth and, and, and get to meet the kids and really see and have them show off their knowledge of their dairy goat project. Don't you also think, too? Those kids, and especially this year when so many shows have been canceled or changed or whatever, they really need that chance to show off their showmanship skills and and an opportunity to learn and grow in their abilities of showmanship. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you, Laura. Uh, When I, you know, some judges at the end of their shows, they like to go on long diatribes about what the show meant to them and whatnot. I was no different this show. Um, some people may know this, some people may not. I am an avid watcher of the Bachelor and Bachelorette shows and Bachelor in Paradise too. Uh, what this year's Bachelorette has been showing and telling the members that showed up to be on her season is she is thankful for just them showing up. And I'm super thankful that the Arkansas State Fair and many other youth shows across the nation have said, Let's just show up this year and have a show for our youth because that is what they have desperately needed for this year. I think about those kids. The Missouri State Fair did that also. It was a youth-only show. And, um, you know, for us here in Missouri, we had a brand-new sheep barn that was totally, totally gutted and redone. It's beautiful. And to see those kids standing there um, – The majority of them wearing masks, not all of them, but a lot of kids wearing masks, a lot of social distancing going on. But they were so happy to be there at that show. And uh, we even had um, adults that don't have youth showing that showed up just to show their support for the state fair. It was just it almost made you want to cry. It was it was really it was a really tug at the heartstrings kind of experience. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and, and, you know, for me, showmanship is one of the most important things, but I took extra precautions, including wearing a mask when I could not social distance in the show ring. And I shook each of the kids hand, but before I shook each of the kids hand, I used hand sanitizer, not only sanitize myself, but to make sure that they could feel like they were safe shaking my hand as well. I think that's unfortunately, and we're not going to, I know that we've like made the pact. We're not going to talk about COVID, but you know. 
getting back to normal, that might be what's part of it, but that's okay. We're yeah, getting there. We are, thank, we're working. Thank goodness there. you had that show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was all about showing that we can do a safe show um, with COVID um, and, and being able to show the state fair, the state fair board, any people that were there in the audience and attendance, whether it was parents or there was FFA members, that we could have a safe show and people could either socially distance or choose to wear a mask. I think that's just awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. So you're headed back tomorrow morning? Yes, absolutely. I've got to go pick up a uh, new addition to the Sable breeding program next uh, from my girlfriend, her fiance. Excuse me. I'll get that right eventually. <laughs> or she'll remind you. <laughs> oh, or she'll remind me. Um, and uh, yeah, so a busy weekend. Laura, what's on the agenda for you and, and your weekend here? Well, the plan is that I'm going to head down to lovely Neosho, Missouri for the big strut the rut six ring buck show i'm not showing a buck um my buck is totally got the rut he totally has the rut thing down and so he's he, strutting it it's like oh my gosh yes um every <laughs> chance he gets so um the fence building i did last weekend fixed his wandering heart <laughs> uh, much to his dismay but he's just been running the fence and and looks like it so he'll be staying home uh, my plan was to head down uh take a couple of of pretty little white girls to meet their prince charming and and i'm hoping that i'll get to do that some other things in life might have gotten in the way this weekend but you know we'll see it would it would be fun to go see some people anyway that i haven't seen before so uh these late season shows you look at them as kind of like that last opportunity you're going to have to get to see your friends. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point there. And, and whatever happens, happens. little note to the listeners here. We're recording this on Friday night. We normally do it over the weekend, but because of my big weekend and Laura's big weekend, we decided to push it up to Friday night. Yes. So you'll be hearing this Monday after the big show, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's the way life goes sometimes. So. Yes. And talking about shows here and, and what we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to talk about putting on a stellar dairy goat show, what that takes here. Um, and Laura, do you kind of want to introduce kind of our overarching thought for the day? I will. And actually, this thought came from um, listen, from one of our listeners, from Robin Van Wyk up in Iowa. And um, Robin's been around the show around the shows for a long time. She and her family have shown beautiful, beautiful alpines for a long time. Robin's um, parents have been listening to this podcast along with Robin and she shared this little bit of advice and I'm going to quote what she said. She said that her dad's advice for putting on a stellar show is to make it as exhibitor exhibitor friendly as possible. Robin said that there's lots of ways that your show can be done, but keeping that purpose in mind that it's about the exhibitors and people having a good time um, can help you put on a show that exhibitors just really enjoy and they want to come back to again and really that's kind of that's kind of the end of all of it you know we want it to be an enjoyable time for the exhibitors so that they do want to come back yeah and that's something uh, rod rod pointed out rod van wyke uh, a great man in, in northwest iowa and big dairy goat promoter so i thank him for that there and one also thing to keep in mind is i challenge myself to learn something at every show as well whether it's about my animals or something i didn't know in the industry um so that's that's one of the overarching things that i i think is important for we go as we as we talk about putting on a stellar dairy goat show as well there and what learning opportunities can come about we're going to kind of dissect some basic considerations and then kind of get into the more specifics and 
and some things that um, our listeners have, have volunteered that they think we should think about. It's been a long time since I've been a judge. I've been, you know, it, it's been many years, but I do remember some things from the shows that I judged as a young adult. And I know that you're deep in the trenches. So I think we'll talk about it too, from a judge's standpoint as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's something that I can definitely approach and bring up because there are things as a judge that really make you want to either judge a show or not want to judge a show. And so that's something to consider when planning your show as well is how easy and accessible it is for the judge, not only the exhibitors. I agree. So when you think about holding your show, you know, just like, just like buying a house, location, 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 you need to have a good spot to hold your show. Yes. And that's, that's important there. It needs to be easy to find on a map, um, a good GPS location. That's not going to take you there. And one thing that I really look, look to, because as someone that drives a, a bigger trailer and I don't like to go down country roads with a trailer, I'm not super experienced. Those that have been to goat shows with me know that and how afraid I am to actually back up with my big 28 uh, foot livestock trailer is what's the proximity to major highways there. Oh, that is an important thing. And um, I'm not ashamed to say that there are times where I'll pull into a show, and if I think I can't get it backed around, I'll find some nice person who's really good at backing, and they can do it for me because I'm terrified that I'm going to wreck my trailer or wreck somebody else. So that ha having a good yes. highway where you're not going to get stuck somewhere is important. Big shout out to Joe Brown from Missouri, uh, trailer backer expert and heck of a guy um, so uh absolutely Joe, Joe Brown's yes. the guy um and I really liken this to you know proximity to highways and it's super accessible for you guys as exhibitors especially if you're traveling a long way away yes very definitely there is nothing worse than following your GPS to the address that you think you're going to and it takes you to um a liquor store <laughs> I've had that happen before or it tells you to turn right, and turning right would put you off the edge of a cliff. So don't do yes. that. <laughs> Make sure it's a good Yes, map. and when we think about also proximity to highways, one other thing as well is where are your exhibitors going to stay when they're not showing goats? Are they going to be – is camping available? Can some people bring their campers and choose to sleep in those? Are there hotels available for those that uh, feel like they need some extra type of reservations? Um, and what type of other options are there, including what's around for food-wise? So those are some things – where do – hold the show and what, what's really good because we've all been to those shows where um you know it's 11 o'clock at night none of the restaurants are really open in town where am i going to find something to eat also according to that is, is where is going to be either like a farm store or you know um some type of uh other store like a walmart for example what type of stores are close by if you forget something from home because uh it's happened you know a tarp like laura's talked about in the past and how important that can be or show wise. Yes, there was a time actually where we were judging. We were showing <laughs> at the Jerseyville County Fair in Illinois. Um, and we actually pack, forgot to pack our whites. We instead grabbed the tote with all of our winter clothes. Oh, yuck. How'd, how'd that work out? Uh, it was it was fine. We chose not to actually show up and aren't showing our whites. And the, the, the show committee was okay with that. Um, it just didn't look really great on our part there a close Walmart or some type of a store or um, even just a grocery store. If you need something to eat or, you know, your goat's sick and you, you need to get some pectate or something like that. It's always good to be able to run out and be able to get something for you. Yeah. And on along a lot, something yeah, else. That, go ahead. Um, what kind of pins do you have in your facility? Um, 
you know, are they pins that are easy to use? Are they pins that can be taken apart or put together so that you've got, you know, bigger pins if you need them or smaller pins if you have animals that jump out? Is your barn clean? Um, does it offer decent shelter if you're going to have some bad weather? Can you park your trailer close enough that, that um, it's easy to unload things? Sometimes when you, when you look at holding a show, your options are limited, but you need to look at it from the exhibitor's eye. Is this a decent facility that people are going to be comfortable unloading their animals in and leaving them here? Yeah, safety is number one priority. Some facilities, they'll have um, like a security guard they've hired for some events. Um, you know, some might have you know, a fence around it. Because um, some areas, and I think about uh, when, we, when we've been to the Indiana, or Indiana and we went to Indiana State Fair, and, and that's kind of been a, a sketchier part of town. And those that have been to the Indiana State Fair, like yourself, probably know that. Oh, yes. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of a lot of state fairs are in kind of rough parts of town. So, um, you know, I think, and we'll talk a little bit more about sleeping in barns and different things like that, but that's definitely something that you need to keep, keep an eye on. How close is that barn to the show ring? And if it's not close, yes. is there a way that you can hold animals and holding pins or a good place to tie them up? Yeah, a number of holding pens can be critical there. And then other places where you can tie up. I think about some of the shows that have kind of an open barn concept where there's no pens in there. And it might just be like a pavilion type style. Um, and in, in that pavilion, there's usually gates on the side. So animals can be easily tied up there. Um, and you can have a large show and just this nice open um, area there. And it's not great because the airflow comes in and you get a nice breeze if it is a warmer day out. Oh, yes, that's perfect. That is, and the, you know, those are great shows to go to. You kind of need to know, um, and I touched on this just a minute ago, I like to stay with my animals. When, when I'm showing it, I, I like to sleep next to their pens. I'm paranoid. I'm always worried about those animals that think they need to jump and get their foot hooked in a gate. But sometimes where you want to hold your show, that's not allowed. So make sure that you state that really clearly or make that as a consideration. Sometimes national shows have rules that you can't have electrical appliances in the barn. So again, that's a consideration when you're looking at the facility that you're, that you're considering using. Yes. There have been exhibitors that have um, looked at, you know, been recommended for um, actually getting uh, suspended for exhibiting at the national show because of certain electrical items that have been around. So stating these in these rules of a goat show is very, very, very important because you want to make sure if you want to have your show there long-term that you build a good rapport starting from the first year. Yeah. It is a two way street between a facility and you, and you want to make sure that the facility is, is well kept for the, the facility owners. And then it works well for you as suitable there. As you also think about where you're going to hold your show, you got to think about how you're going to get that judge in there. So you might consider how close is your closest airport? Yes, that's a great consideration there. So I'm currently in Little Rock right now and the show is being held in Little Rock. I can go from the airport to my hotel to the fairgrounds in all of about 10 minutes, which is a great consideration there. Uh, also, a couple things when you when you have your location and whatnot, you need to consider, okay, do you need to have a rental car for your people, uh, for your judges? Because some judges specifically request a rental car. Other judges do not, and maybe an exhibitor will, maybe a member of the show committee who is not showing will pick up your judge. 
So that's something to consider as well there. You need to have a member of the show committee that is not exhibiting. Go pick up one of your judges from the airport if you are flying them in. I do understand as a judge that you know things happen and situations happen and, and things that are beyond your control. But please, as a show committee and, and understanding where your location is, please at all try to respect um, a judge's um, you know unbiasedness as much as possible when it comes to transporting them to the show. Um, also, when it comes to uh, you know driving, as judges do drive the shows that are a little closer there. Um, make sure that you clearly identify where it is. It's clearly identified in the rules. And if you need to follow up with a couple messages too, because I've been to shows where I've actually ended up in the wrong place because somebody was given the wrong address. Oh, that's miserable. Yeah, it is. Uh, yes. So where to hold your show is it's very important from a judge's perspective there and understand and making sure and delivering, hey, this is exactly in the contract that you specify. When you go and hire a judge, it is suggested that you get a contract out to them. It's 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 binding to some extent. Um, I don't know if it's a legal document per se, uh, but it is it is a contract that. Um, that is used and make sure you get that out and, cl- and clearly define it in terms of all expenses as a judge as my personal policy is I will try to lay out as many much of the expenses as possible um, such things as mileage to the airport I'm going to always guesstimate on parking and what it's going to cost as well there so being able to just lay all those expenses out and make sure you know exactly what you're signing up for when it comes to that there but that's a little off on a tangent when it comes to judges there But I think that's important. And I know we're going to talk more about judges here in a little bit, too. So um, another consideration that I think is one that has to be made early on is when you're going to hold your show. What time of year are you going to hold it? And, and, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about late show considerations and, and, you know, brought up a bunch of things that you need to think about. But it's really important that you consider other shows that are already well-established um, and try not to conflict with them if you think there's a chance that um, you're going to share. Ex- yes, in a, in a real life situation that happened, I'll, I'll bring it up here, and we kind of got some beef for it. For it was the Illinois Dairy Goat Association. They decided to put on a, a six ring show, and we're actually going to talk about that show. But little did we know, the Indiana Dairy Goat Association was going to be putting on a show that same weekend. And they had changed that location from the east side of Indiana and Richmond all the way to Danville, which is on the west side. So that put our show in about two and a half hour proximity to each other. So exhibitors had to choose between those two dates or those two shows. Yeah, that, Myself. Yeah, it was it was hard. That's a lose lose situation. Yes, unfortunately, it did happen. Um, there was some we'll call it some some beef that may have transpired there but i think both clubs are now on good terms at least from my understanding of it but there was a decision when i was dating my girl back when i was dating my girlfriend before she was my fiance and we decided to split where we decided to go to the Illinois dairy association show and she decided to go to the hoosier classic in danville indiana well and you know let's try not to put let's try not to put our potential show uh, people in that kind of a situation yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's something just to consider as you're figuring out when to hold your show there. What are some other things that you might consider, Cameron? Yeah, the first, the biggest thing is you need to consider the national show. And the national, first off, considering the national show's proximity to you. For example, in Illinois, if the national show was being held in Oregon, 
you would realize, okay, probably not a lot of my potential exhibitors would be um, interested in that. Going, driving out to Oregon so we can consider having a show around the national show. Right. However, if the national show was was in Louisville, where it's only a six-hour drive, or if it was in Indianapolis or Columbus or somewhere in the District 4 area, we might not have a show close to nationals. And when it comes to nationals, Laura, how far of a way do you block off time for that? You know, I don't go two weeks before before a national show. And I know some people go out farther than that, but two weeks, two weeks is my comfort limit on that. You know, I want to make sure that they're well rested, that there's not a chance they're going to pick up some kind of an awful bug and get sick. I'm comfortable with a two week window, but you know, I've heard some people that, that will try to catch a show on the way to the nationals that just, that's just too close for comfort. Yeah. uh, No, we generally don't go in that two weeks there. Um, if we do go out to an earlier show, we might take some younger does. Um, we definitely won't take out any of our champion challenge does or does that we think uh, would be in the top five at nationals unless they would be, uh, you know, our younger stock there. We like to gauge where um, kind of our does are. And when thinking about that, uh, we like to go to show, spring shows that are uber competitive to see where we are in terms of our breed. So um, and, and kind of figure out where we might stand at the national show as well there. Exactly. And, you know, you do have to balance that, that whole, um, get your animals out and seen, see how you stack up, but also, you know, health considerations. Um, every time you utter up an animal and, and I'm getting on a soapbox a little bit here, but every time you utter up an animal, you have to realize that that is going to impact their milk production. Um, it could impact it a little, or it could impact it a lot, but you need to decide, is it worth uttering them up for, this time knowing that it could impact what they're going to do you know later on this summer at a national show and that's an interesting take and i I hate to go down this road but i think we are um we actually like to take a couple of those out just to stretch them a little bit really see uh, and give them a little bit more um we call it just a good stretch and see what they're going to look like potentially at the national show, maybe how much milk we need to put in them um, here. So we like to go to an earlier show before the nationals, uh, two, three, four weeks out before the nationals to really put a stretch in our does and to see, okay, what are they really going to look like when we take them to nationals? Well, and I agree. I think you need to do that because especially those yearlings or those first freshening two-year-olds, think about what a freak out moment that is for them. The first time they have to walk around those tight filled udders when they've never had that before, you know, you need to see how many hours it takes to have them looking good, how they're going to walk around that full memory system. I totally get that. But I guess what I'm saying is before you take your best doe that you think has a shot at doing well at nationals. And before you take her to that uh, five ring show a month before your national show, you might consider whether or not you want to utter her up all those days or for all those rings. Just, just kind of keep that in the back of your head. Yeah, that's, that's great consideration there. And I know some breeders that will actually, they'll, they'll go and then they'll, they'll go to the national show and then they'll hit shows on the way back from the national show too, which is something completely different. Easy to think, but we've definitely done that too, actually. That would be fun. Yeah, it was super fun, and it was, and we're going to kind of talk about this a little bit. It was associated with a fair, so we did get some type of payback too, which was nice. And, and we were already coming back and coming home, um, so we could just stop off, go show our goats, a nice one day show, 
Um, some people had came from, I think it was like in Indianapolis that year, and somebody stopped from like Wyoming and came out and showed their Nubians there. And there was a couple other herds that kind of stopped on the way back, made a little bit of money for the trip home, and then just were off on their merry way. Oh, very cool. Do you have any other considerations about when to hold your show? Yeah, so I, I really think a balance of either early show or late show that is important to know here. Um, I know some some of these, they, they have shows called way too early shows here, and I really think that's in the Northeast area here. Um, and there's later shows that are scheduled and planned as well, but they've been they've been set before, and they're kind of like a last hoorah, if that makes sense. Um you know, early shows can be great for some those that freshen really early, uh, January, February. Um, and later shows might be great, too, for those late bloomers or, or those that got bred um, in May as well. What are your thoughts on early shows versus late shows? Do you go, do you want to go to them? Do you want that last two rod? Do you want to start an early show season? What are your thoughts? If I have a milking doe that looks awesome, like the first or second week of, of May, that's about as early as I'll go out. I've considered a show that um, is in Arkansas down at, at the end of April. Someday I'd like to go to that, but usually it interferes with graduations. And, and I've always had um, either children or nieces and nephews that are graduating. So I haven't been able to do that. Having said that those early shows, it would have to be really, really warm and a last minute decision for me to take any juniors to an early show. I think that that you need to balance the health of your animals again with what you're going to do. And, and and I have gotten sick babies in the past for taking them to those really early shows. I just have to really consider that. Will you do those, Cameron? Yeah, so the earlier shows, so I would say when we're talking about earlier shows here in the Midwest, um, because in other areas of the country, early shows might be their normal shows for us. Uh, Florida and Texas and uh, Mississippi and Alabama and, and Georgia, their shows tend to be earlier in, in the summer and even in the spring. So for the, our early show definition is you know, January to April or late uh, end of April. Well, other people say this is our show season. So um, I don't like to take kids to these early shows. When I talk about shows from from um, April and even parts into May, I really don't like taking kids. Um, it, you know, we we protect our kids and we're very, you know, uh, we'll call us our, our mama bear. You know, there are our cubs or our kids there. We're very protective about our kids and generally won't take them out um, at the earliest, maybe the third week of June. That's about where we are. I just don't like to take them out that early and, and run the risk of getting them sick. You know, and the same thing with late shows. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you're going to go to a late show, really consider making it a fuzzy show. Don't don't necessarily clip them. And if you're planning to hold a show late, make sure your exhibitors know that it's okay not to clip. Because you'll still have people yep. to think that they've got to do it. And then they'll go home with sick animals. And nobody wants that. Yes, or early shows. Make it just a, a rough clip or, or suggest that you don't fully clip, but make sure they do a nice dairy clip, maybe a plucking blade. Or, or again, we talked about those in our, in our late shows and kind of clipping and fitting for different shows there. But early shows, and, and I think we'll have a podcast on this later where we do early show considerations uh, in the probably in March or in April. But, um, you know, really make sure if you're, if you're getting if you're thinking about holding a really early show, um, Make sure you really put in those rules where clipping and, and fitting where it's appropriate and really base that on where you're coming, where you're at in the country and what the climate is. 
you know, another thing to think about too, most all the shows run during um, the weekend makes it easier for people who have jobs and so forth. But there are some times where you'll find a fair show that runs during the week. Those are kind of fun. If you can get off work and go, you'll find most of the time it's a little bit more of a laid back type of a show. Yeah. So that, that's definitely a, I call it a state fair vibe there um, where you look at, I I like, I'll pick on a couple of the local ones here, Arkansas. I think you have to be in on like Thursday um, and and you're there till like Saturday. Um, And Missouri, I think is the same. You have to be in Friday and um, you know, the Indiana state fair, you have to be in Thursday, Wisconsin, you have to be in on Friday. And it's really a great way to kick off a long weekend in my professional opinion. Well, I think so, too, because then you can go home and kind of recoup a little bit before you have to hit the rat race again. Um, yes. And, yes. And and really what those those weekday shows are mostly um, affiliated with fairs. Would you say mostly for the most part? Yes. Uh, yes. Almost almost to a number. All of them. Yes, I would say so. So, you yeah, know, and yeah. sometimes, sometimes when you consider sometimes when you consider holding um, a show in conjunction with a fair, the ha- the fair will help pay for your show. Or they'll provide good awards, or they'll provide premiums, or they'll help pay for the judge. So, you know, those are some reasons to consider maybe hitting up your local fair board, whether it's a state fair or a county fair, and saying, "Hey, how would you like to have a have an open dairy goat show? This is what it entails, and and um, you know, these are some benefits to you." So, those are those are some things to consider too when you're trying to decide where you want to hold your show. Yeah, and one thing to consider with when you're having a fair with when you're having a fair and there's a goat show there, you might want to consider, hey, I'm the local dairy goat club. Um, what if we added, you know, an extra day? Maybe you're already sitting there because that was part of the rules. You had to be there. What if we add another show in there? Maybe it's in conjunction with the show and it's sponsored by an association, maybe a, a state association, um, and it really adds a little bit more value to your show if if exhibitors are coming from far away. So I think they do that in Kentucky, right? Yeah, so they do that in Kentucky. We did that at one point in Illinois. I know Utah does that as well. Uh, there might be a, a, some other. I think Wyoming uh, does that as, as well, where Nebraska. there's multiple rings. Nebraska yep. does that here. Yes, they have two rings there. So how do you add more value to a show that's already going on? And that might track, uh, attract more exhibitors from coming away. So they have an opportunity to show in two rings see two different sets of eyes on their goats as well as, you know, maybe potentially make a a premium back so they can, um, you know, pay their own way there. Yeah. There are some people who have the time and have the resources that just make a show circuit in the fall and hit a whole bunch of state fairs. Um, I I know that, you know, in the Midwest and the Southern part of, of the central central area of the country, they often do that in and make quite a bit of money doing that too. So that's something to think of. Yes, that's the fall run there, and it's I, I applaud those people that do it, um, and I, I that to me it it seems crazy, but I applaud the people that do it, and and they love it. Well, and that's kind of a nice little segue into our next comment when we're talking about setting up your show and making you know, making some decisions, one of the things that you need to look at, and especially if it's an independent show, not necessarily with the state fair, is how many rings do you want to hold as part of that show? You know, when I was back in the 80s and 90s, typically a dairy goat show weekend was Saturday, you had a show, one judge, a junior doe, senior doe show, and sometimes bucks, and then Sunday you had a show, and then you went home. Um, 
kind of a different world now. We don't see those kind of shows quite as often, do we, Cameron? Yeah, I remember growing up, and our first our first show was always in late May. It was the Henry County Fair in Illinois, and it was that exact same format. Uh, and now we're seeing a, a push towards multiple rings per day, and we're seeing a push towards how many rings can we get in uh, in a day, and then how many wing, rings can we get in on a weekend. Yeah, and and you know, there's some great things about that. You know, you're uttering your dough up for one day, and you can get three legs in one day. I mean, you could. Some of these shows, these six ring shows, you could you could hypothetically finish two does in a weekend. I mean, that's wow, that's kind of amazing. On the other yes, hand, we... and maybe this is me being older and nostalgic. Boy, I really miss those days where everybody sat and watched the whole show because they weren't trying to make their ring somewhere else where they had to show again. And we cheered each other on. And then the evenings were you know, eating around the tack pin, having uh, goat gabs together, just like we are doing, <laughs> um, you know, uh, somebody might bring out a guitar. It, it was just a fun, relaxed, getting to know your other exhibitors time. And you don't see that it shows very much anymore. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And as I travel around the country and seeing that it, there's a little bit of that still. Um, but a, a lot of shows have transitioned to how many rings can we get in in a day? And how fat, how can we move this show along as fast as possible? Um, maybe that's just how generations have shifted in time. Um, and that's it's something that on a sidebar here that I really enjoy about this podcast here and doing it with Laura is we have different generational perspectives and we can offer different things. And when it comes to these shows is, okay, she remembers it back then, but I remember it's been bang, 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 bang. Right. And, and not saying one's better than the other, just saying, yeah. you know, there's things to consider that would appeal to different people, you know, for different yes, reasons. But it, yes, but when it comes to how many rings, in my professional opinion, again, my this is my opinion, my professional opinion, um, uh, to me, the most amount of rings you can have in a day and do it well is three. What's your thought on that? I would agree with that. You know, I... Now, I'm going to preface this with saying I've not ever been to a show that attempted to do more than three. So, you know, we, maybe we've thrown out the gauntlet here, Cameron, and somebody's going to come up with an eight-ring <laughs> show. But honestly, if you're doing a junior doe and senior doe show, I don't know how you could fit nine breeds. If you're going to sanction all the breeds, and you're going to hold, I don't know that you could hold more than three rings. I, that would just be the amount of people to take to run that show. Um, the amount of people that, that the breeders would need to make sure that their animals were in each of the rings when they were supposed to be, especially the breeders that have more than one breed. It's just kind of mind boggling to me to think how you could do more than three. So I would agree with you on that, Cameron. Yeah, it, it to, to me it seems it seems crazy. I'm sure someone is going to try to pull it off, or someone already has. Uh, but if you want a show to run efficiently um, and and be a positive experience for all exhibitors, uh, to me that's the best way to do it is having three rings per day, and maybe you have three rings the next day, or or maybe it's just three rings offered there. But to me, in my opinion, uh, it, it 
it seems like three is the best. I want to offer a thought on this too. If you are considering putting together a show for the very first time, you've never run a show, you have a brand new goat club and, and you guys haven't done it before. For the love of everything that's holy, don't try to do a three-ring show or a six-ring <laughs> show right off the bat. <laughs> you, yes. will, you will crash and burn unless you've got some people who really can hold your hand and help you run it. Um, you know, get your feet wet by by doing, you know, one ring show on Saturday and one ring show on Sunday. Or possibly two rings on Saturday and don't hold that show on Sunday. But learn the goings of a show. Learn how to make a show run. Learn how many people you need to make a show successful before, you know, walk before you run. Because those six ring shows, they're kind of grueling for both the show committee and also for the exhibitors. I love them and I love going to them. But I only have one breed, really. So it's not difficult for me. But the people that have two and three breeds, they're, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Yes. Yes. I, and to caveat that there, if you are going to do, a, a, even just host any goat show and you've never done it before, a couple of considerations you may have is one, talk to somebody who's done it and who's done it successfully. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite goat shows we've been to. Um, and maybe you can reach out to some of those clubs and get some feedback on how they do it, what they do well, and what they could improve upon. Um, also, senior doe show, junior doe show, buck show, youth show, one day milking competition. What type of things do you want to see as an exhibitor in your show? That you know, and that's to? that's something that you need to know your your crowd. If you have a whole bunch of youth that are really excited and really involved in dairy goats, really consider holding that youth show. There aren't very many of them around. Pretty awesome for kids. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to have a youth show. If you have a lot of people who um, like to show bucks, you can consider putting a buck show putting a buck show with that junior doe show and that senior doe show um milking competitions are something that some shows hold so that you can get your star they're a lot of work and um can be really rewarding if you have people who who aren't on milk test or don't have any other way to get their um animals milk production validated that can be something to include too so those those are all things that you want to think about um Jumping ahead a little bit, when you're talking about this show, you can you can sanction juniors by themselves and then seniors by themselves, or you can choose to do a combined sanction with which uh, my friends down in Oklahoma have done very successfully. And the way that that works, especially, is awesome when you have breeds that maybe you're concerned that they're not going to have enough to be official. Show your senior does first, and if you happen to not have enough to make that an official breed. Pull in enough junior does to make it official. And there you go. You've got your sanction. Do you want to uh, pass along some words of wisdom that our good friend and, and Oberhossley breeder Yes, uh, so Kurt Schmitzke offered this uh, gem of wisdom, and I think it is just perfect. Um, he was talking about these shows that are doing the multiple ring shows. And if you've ever shown in a multiple ring show, you know that one of the issues that comes up is that you might have 70 Nigerian dwarfs in one breed. And then you're waiting in every other ring for those Nigerian dwarfs to get done so that you can move on with the show. So when you sanction your dairy goat show with AGA and you send your rules in, Kurt's um, wisdom says add a clause to the show rules that your show order is subject to change to expedite the show. 
So if there's a huge number of one breed, you can just keep things moving. And I think that is a great thing to keep in mind. You know, as your show, if you choose to do that, of course, you would want to make sure that you have good announcers and let people know, hey, we're going to change our show. Uh, we're going to skip this next breed and we're going to go on so that we can keep this show moving. But um, thank you, Kurt, for that idea. I think that's really a valid point to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. And, and thank you, Kurt, for su suggesting that there here. I'm still looking in the okay. guidebook here uh, for it. Um, and I'll find it. Maybe we can come back at the end and put it All in right. the end here. But um, You know, in, in speaking of that, some breeds being very large and some breeds not, you don't have to sanction every breed. So if you know in your area, for example, that there are not very many Oberhosleys, you may consider not wanting to sanction the Oberhosley breed. Find another breed that also is small and may have a hard time having enough numbers at your show and combine those for an AOP class, also known as all other purebred. Um, it doesn't cost a whole lot to sanction a breed, but it is really disappointing for somebody uh, to come home with that best of breed and grand champion rosette and uh, they only had three animals in their breed. That can be really disappointing. Uh, one thing also to consider here is, is where do you want uh, your, your breeds? How do you want your goats to be shown? Do you want the juniors to show first and you show straight through a breed where you show juniors and then seniors of each breed, then go to the next one? Or do you want milkers to be first and then we're going to show all the milkers and then we're going to show the juniors? Uh, what does that look well, like? Well, I think... You? I think, think that when you have a senior doe show sanctioned separately from the juniors, it makes a lot of sense to do your seniors first. Um, you know, usually that's the cooler part of the day when you have animals uttered up with a full mammary system. Um, it just seems to make more sense to do those in the morning and then do your juniors in the afternoon. Um, some shows, I'm thinking about um, uh, Donna Corkle's show down in Neosho, Missouri. They'll do their juniors on Friday night do um, several rings of juniors on Friday night and then do milkers Saturday morning and then do three more rings of juniors Saturday night and then the rest of the milkers on Sunday morning. And that seems to work out well for them. Now, if you have people who are driving in from a long way, Friday might, night might be a difficult time to do it. What do you think, Cameron? I think it depends on the year. So, or it depends on the time of year, excuse me. Um, if I know it's a club show and it's early, I, I might be okay with not, you know, only showing three rings of juniors. No one, I'm only bringing a couple dry yearlings. Um, I, when I go to a two ring show or two day show, that's, you know, at least two rings per day. I generally don't show juniors that second day. If, even if they're offered, because I know I want to get on the road. Right. And I, and I think home. a lot of shows have found that, that um, those junior shows, they may pay all the money to have it sanctioned. They have a judge there to judge it. But especially if that senior show in the morning runs long, People are, are um, in leaving and all of a sudden you have a show that's not official and hardly anything because nobody wants to stick around. So that's also something to consider when you're trying to set your show up. Um, the next topic yeah. that we were going to discuss, Cameron, was about judges. And, um, you know, I know that as an active judge, you probably have a lot to think about. But one of the things that I think about when I'm considering going to a show, one of the first questions I always ask is who's judging this show? Yeah, that's the, that, we asked that same, my, del, my dad, my uh, fiance, we ask ourselves that same right. question and so too. I, I, will, I will throw something out there that may be a little bit controversial. If you want to have a successful show, 
you need to be getting your judges nine months at, at the very latest to a year to two years in advance, especially if you want those judges that are highly in demand, the ones that are judging our national shows in, in different years, or judges that have gotten a reputation as being fun or um, outstanding, those judges are hard to get hold of. And so you need to plan ahead. Don't wait till the last minute and don't make the mistake of saying, oh, we're not going to release this judge until closer to showtime because I can guarantee you people will look at other shows that have already chosen a judge and make a decision to go to that show before they'll even consider your show that won't release the judge's name. Yeah, that's a great consideration. So one one thing that I've I've seen is I will tend to not go to shows, even if they are close, if they're a judge in the local area. In Illinois, we're thankful that we have six different uh, people, at least six different people, to my knowledge, with an active judge's license. I think I think it's not seven as I'm thinking about it. But we ju- we ju- we show under those people a lot. And I want a different opinion when I go to a different show, when I go to a GOAT show. So if I get the same judge that's a licensed judge from Illinois, I might tend to avoid that show and go somewhere else where I can get a different opinion of my animals from a different judge that I don't show. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. And and we don't have any judges here in Missouri, um, but a lot of time, I don't know how it happens, but sometimes shows don't talk to each other or, or they just don't think about it. And one year I showed under the same judge three weekends in a row because they judged all the shows here in Missouri. And, um, you know, it was a nice judge. I really liked the judge. Um, I did well under them, but I was like, Oh gosh, you've already seen my goat. What, you know, what new knowledge am I going to get from you? Because you've already seen this animal two other times this year. So I think it's important to, you know, really pay attention to that. Yeah. And a couple of our listeners came in and said a couple of things here. Um, Ginger Parker said knowledgeable, equitable judges that give accurate and educational reasons. Uh, I hope that's all judges because as we go through the training conference or the advanced judges seminar, they harp on that. Um, However, sometimes we have less than stellar experiences. So that's something Ginger said, and I thank Ginger for contributing that Um, there. Mandy Latimer also had something to say. She said, judges that engage the audience like Annette Mays used to. And I don't know how many of our listeners used to um, (laughs) had had the privilege of showing to Annette Mays, but she was always a lot of fun to show under. Um, She was quite the... um, showman as she judged yes for lack of a better word the the, the character, she was I, was, a character. I was thinking character and mandy's uh. words those kind of judges are like icing on the cake and i totally agree with that you know they're they're kind of fun you want a judge that's accurate you want a judge that's teaching and that's judging the animals fairly that has a consistent eye so that you can follow what they're doing but listening to a judge all day long you want it to be somebody that's fun too yeah i, I totally agree with that and one other thing to talk about is national show judges so if i know that x judge is judging alpines the national show i may drive an extra two three hours in order to show under them so they can get some type of impression on my animal before we go to the national show laura what are your thoughts on that i'm gonna use our word cameron absolutely that is that is absolutely um consideration for me you know most of the time you don't know which which breeds the judges are going to judge until kind of later on closer to the national show. But um, if I know a judge is, is one of the judges that's been picked to judge nationals, I'm going to try to get their eye on my animals. Definitely. So that I know what they like. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's going to give you a leg up, but 
you know, if they know, oh yeah, she's got that nice three-year-old, you know, it can't hurt, right? Yeah, a little, right, a little right. psychology. If, there. if nothing it's, else, it makes me feel more college confident, right? Me. Yes. One last thing on judges here is when you're having youth shows or some type of embedded youth shows, and uh, you're doing a showmanship class, for example, maybe it's not maybe it's not a youth show, but you're doing showmanship, making sure that you get a judge that really resonates with kids and that they feel like they can learn something from is really important. Um, and a lot of parents appreciate that too, is when they feel like their kid was uh, taught something um, in, a, in a very respectful There are manner. some judges who don't like to do showmanship, and that doesn't mean that they're a bad judge, and it doesn't mean that they shouldn't ever judge your show. But if, if you know that kids are part of your show, show and you know that one of your two judges is going to do showmanship, take the time to find out which one really enjoys it, not just tolerates it, but really enjoys showmanship. And and um, you're going to have all kinds of learning going on in a situation like that. Yes. And make sure you write that in the contract as well of the judge so they know exactly what they're doing. Because when you show up and it's early in the morning and you just got in on a late flight and you found out, hey, you're judging showmanship first thing or, or last thing. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. So really make sure that that's specific and you put that in the contract of the judge because um, some judges do like to know that in advance. Very good. Um, you know, another thing to think about when you're putting your show together is that entry form or the show flyer. Um, you know, thank goodness we have social media and we have email and um, most everything is done electronically, whether it's online entries or you receive it by email. But um, your show entry form or your show flyer, your list of rules, that also can make or break your stellar show yes warren parker uh mentioned if a po if possible a map with a layout of the barn and the ability to choose specific pens would be great um i personally like the ability to see it online i also like on your website facebook page um you link the address somehow so that way if i'm on my cell phone i can just pull that up and it'll automatically populate into my map oh yeah absolutely and you know on that show entry form, it may seem like elementary thoughts, but be very clear on deadlines. When are, when are early entries due? Do they need to be postmarked by a certain date? Do they have to be received by a certain date? Do I need to have health papers? Do you require health testing? Um, you know, some states do, and that's yes. important. The show here today actually gave out awards for people who entered early. All of the kids that entered early actually got like a... Uh, like a sham wow towel and a speed scoop. So there are, there can be prizes if you that enter early. That is such early. a cool idea. Yes. Um, a couple other things to consider here um, is are dogs allowed? Some people have service animals or some people feel like they need, they, uh, they're bringing their dog along with them. Um, and uh, other things as well are, are non-show animals allowed. So if I bring a buck to a show because I'm picking it up or some dropping it off for somebody, do I need to pen that or do I, should I leave it in my trailer? Can I even leave it in my right. trailer? Some shows don't allow that at all. And um, you'll be stuck making a trip back home if you don't check on that ahead of time. And it, as, as always, if it's not in the rules, call your show chairman. That's what they're there for. They need to have that information for you. Yes. And most of the time these days, there is people promoting on social media. So there's a great Facebook group called Ad Dairy Goats. People contribute or Ad Dairy Goat shows in the United States. They contributed to that there. And you can generally Facebook message that person um, and they will be able to tell you that type of information. As somebody who has a small trailer and I, I have an open truck, I don't have a camper shell in my truck, 
I really appreciate it when a show lets me know if I can buy bedding at the show or if I need to bring my own. So that's something else that you might want to consider also when you um, put your show together. Yes, at the national show, they have vendors on site, so you can buy hay um, and feed, or and some shows offer chaff hay for sale, um, too, because their vendor decided to show up, and then how to pre-order. So that type of information is important as well, um, so they know beforehand, okay, I can guarantee that there's going to be five bags of chaff hay there, um, and that's how much I need that, for my goats. That's, that is an important thing to think about. So let's move on. Um, show day. You're actually at your show and you're you're putting things together. What are some things uh, that you want to keep in mind to make that just an outstanding show? Start on time. If you're a judge, make sure you're early because you want to start the show. If it says it's starting at eight and the rules, you want to start at eight. You need to start calling for people at 745. Right. And that's, you know, that kind of fits onto the next thing. You want to have an announcer that is a good announcer. They, um, they can keep your excitement up. They keep people interested. They keep them engaged. They let people know where the show is, what breed we're ready for. We're getting ready to start in five minutes. Please have Alpine milking yearlings at ringside. We're going to start right now. Um, that announcer can do a whole lot to keep that show just going well. Yes, I, I agree with that there. Also, your announcers, um, they announce sponsors, and, and sponsors are very important. It's its not cheap to put on a goat show. Um, I know when I when I judge a goat show, it costs about $1,000 with all of my expenses just to come to a goat show and just to just judge a goat show. So it's not cheap. So being able to recognize your sponsors um, and feel like they contributed, make sure they feel valued so they feel like they can continue to sponsor the show and they can get some type of pay. You know, Cameron, there. one thing that your six ring show did last summer that I thought was really neat as somebody who helped to sponsor something at your show, you had a big professionally printed banner. And I thought that was just really awesome. It was neat. To, it was neat to see my farm name in print on that. And, and I think that's just another touch that gets people who to want to sponsor things for shows. Yes. Switching gears here, the most, in, in my professional opinion, the most important person at a goat show, it's not the judge, it's not the show check, show secretary, and it's not the show committee. It is the ring oh gosh, steward. Isn't that the total truth? They can make or break your show. <laughs> Yes, that is why I ask my fiance to come to goat shows with me so she can be my ring steward if there is not one provided to me. Or she can rip the ri uh, excuse me, uh, whip the ring steward into shape in order to keep you the You know, show a lot of times ring stewards are people who are new to dairy goats. They just want to have something to do to help. And so the thought is, oh, they can ring steward. But, you know, if you're going to ask somebody to be a ring steward for you, mentor them, show them what's supposed to be done, um, teach them how to do it, give them the tools that they need. You know, give them a, a clipboard that has the animals that are supposed to be in there. Let them know that they have the authority to get a little bit stern with people who aren't coming up to the ring. Um, you know, they they really are the ones who keep that show moving. Um, Robbie Buchanan is one of our listeners. He said a great ring steward has everyone checked in before that judge needs the class? And that's true. Um, they let the judge know, hey, judge, your class is complete. Or judge, we're waiting on one more. Um, you know, they can say, this is your last call for your Alpine senior yearlings. And then close the class. Sometimes you're going to have some exhibitors who don't make it. That's an awful thing. And nobody wants that to happen. 
But I can guarantee you, if you set the precedence that, hey, we're going to give you ample time to get to the ring, but if you're not there, I'm sorry, we're not going to hold that show up. I think that's an important thing to teach. Yeah, yes, I agree. Um, and once a class, so one thing from a judging perspective is we don't know. The judges don't know how many are supposed to be in the class. They'll ask the ring steward and they, and they might know. But if that class is closed, you can still show up to the class as long as the judge hasn't started giving reasons yet. That class is technically from a judging perspective is not. So once, so if you show up late, that's fine. But a little, a pro tip here is showing up early really helps keeping the judge's attention because if they already have the class placed and then you come in, you're generally not going to get a good. Totally agree. Also another thing uh, to mention, and you mentioned it a little, your show secretary. Oh, I generally, so the, sh- the report of awards um, is, is the show secretary's job. However, at the end of the day, the show secretary, it's the judge's responsibility to make sure that it is correct. It's the judge's fault. And if there is anything wrong with it, the judge is to take blame for it. So it's, you can have a new show secretary that has maybe never done it before, but as a judge, you need to be able to coach them through it because it's your responsibility when you send it into ADGA. And, and having a show secretary who has legible handwriting, who is teachable, who isn't afraid to ask questions, those are all going to get you a better partnership with that judge as they try to guide the show secretary through what they're doing. I think that's really important. If you've never been a show secretary or ring steward, I highly encourage you to sign up um, and be, do that in a local show in order to really understand the, the flow of things and whatnot. Absolutely. And, you know, there are other things that can make those shows um, be pretty awesome. Awards, um, an exhibitor dinner or a wine and cheese party or a planned dinner out to eat after the show. Those are all kind of fun things that get people talking and and. Um, you know, they can be planned or they can be spontaneous, but remember that shows are supposed to be fun. Do you have any stellar awards yeah, that, that's, that stand yeah. out in your head, Cameron, that, that clubs might consider? I, I feel like you're picking on something, but I'll go the Minnesota Goat Ladies. Yeah, their four-ring show, they do a different award every single ring. So they'll give mums out, they'll give um, scarfs out, they'll give a, a host of things, and whatever their theme is, they usually generally go along with it there. Baskets, um, anything can really be an award, and those are really cool to display at your house, so when guests come, they can say, oh, what are all those? And you're like, oh, these are from my goats. You know? <laughs> um, so those are Well, awards. I was go just going to say, some of the awards that have stood out in my mind, um, a silver milking pail, for a best in show award Gretchen Sims Uh, at uh, the Boone Companions show one year for her showmanship winners she had embroidered fleece blankets and I can't tell you how many times that blanket has has ridden in the truck and gone to shows with us and have just been outstanding the uh, Green County folks down in Oklahoma gave out those really awesome aluminum show boxes that you can hang up and, and kind of open up and put all your stuff inside. Those were their best in show awards. There's just some really, sometimes, sometimes the awards are things that, that are useful on the farm. Sometimes they're things like Cameron said that you have sitting in your house that, that you look at and you get that warm, fuzzy feeling remembering, you know, winning that, but the awards can really make, make that show just pop. Yes, chairs are great too. I really, I really like that because you can go to a show and you can proudly. Absolutely, display. yes. Um, one other thing I want to mention: um, some shows will put together a goodie bag for their exhibitors, 
and have gotten things from local vendors or local businesses to put in there. Um, I've been to some shows that have included things like a map of the local restaurants so you know where to eat. That is that is just awesome to have that kind of a thing. Yes, that's that's great, especially if you're not from there. Right. Because <laughs> you can get lost and, and you really don't want to go eat at Hardee's for oh, sometimes. No. So what next, Cameron? What else do we need to consider? All right. What about, so we've talked about being at a show. And if you're putting on a show, these are great tips. But what's flipped this year? What does it take to be a good exhibitor at a good well, show? Make, go ahead and okay, start us make off. Sure when you get your entries in that you enter on time. So they're not wondering if they're going to even have enough animals to make an official show and make sure that your, your writing is legible or that you've typed your entries. Cause I can't tell you how many times when I've been trying to do entries for a show, I can't decipher half of the things that people write. And I'm a nurse and I'm used to reading doctor's handwriting, but I got to tell you, sometimes the goat people are even worse than doctors. Yeah. I am. I'm right up there with one of them actually. So I don't, I don't do hand entries anymore. Um, there are some online programs that people use. I think the popular one that I've seen a lot of people um, in the Southern states using uh, the Southern states of district five using a show works. Um, but I've also seen people do things through Google um, forms as well. So those are two options that you can look out to make sure that things are legible. Good idea. Yes. One thing also to consider is be clear on what classes slash breeds your animals are in. Um, make sure they're clear when they're entered on the form. So there's no confusions. Generally show books are, are made a day before the show and all of the paperwork is done a day before the show. So having to write in them or, or cross things out um, doesn't really make it conducive towards people who are getting placings for animals. And if you do have changes, because, you know, face it, things happen. Sometimes the animal that you want to bring is sick. So you've already paid. So you want to substitute something else. Have your changes um, well organized and make sure that you get those in as quickly as you can to that show committee so they can make those last minute changes on their show pages. Yeah, that's that's a great tip there here. Um, also, one thing to consider here, switching gears when looking at the animals is practice good biosecurity. If you have an animal that is sick or has been sick, you might really want to take them to the show, but really consider um, the, the animal's health first and thinking, okay, this animal should be in a comfortable location if, if they feel like they can be. Other times people may bring them to a show because they have been sick and they feel like they can get better care for them there. But really consider that when you're, you're thinking about bringing an animal that may have And been honestly, sick. if you have things that are highly contagious, I'm talking sore mouth or ringworm, I don't care how badly you want to go to that show, please don't. Just don't. Yes, that, uh, yes, yes. Uh, one thing, I'll switching gears here about the actual day of the show, um, be willing to help sanction if your breed is sometimes that it's difficult there. Uh, I'll, I'll pick on myself here. Sables, difficult to sanction. Um, I get calls, Facebook messages, text messages. Hey, can you bring some extra goats here, extra goats here? And and, and sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll say yes, um, and I'll bring an extra doze and throw a couple in the trailer um, just because – you know, it is important to help out the show and make sure they are sanctioned, not just for yourself, but for other exhibitors. Um, and also on that, be willing to help other people at a show. You know, everybody can use a hand sometime. And I think that that dairy goat people are some of the nicest people in the world. Ask for help if you need it. Be willing to offer help if you're asked. 
And on that note, and going down that rabbit hole here, one thing that I see as a judge um, in multiple ring shows is that people want to show their goats, which I'm very happy that they do. However, if you showing your goats because you're showing a Nigerian in one ring and Nubians are in the other ring, that might not be able to happen because there's 20 Nigerians in, in that class and you're stuck in there. Well, the Nubians are, there's three of them and you're holding the show up. So being able to make sure and communicate with other exhibitors that can, that you feel comfortable showing your goats is very important um, in order to keep the show efficient. Oh, totally. And you know, on that note, Robin Van Wyck again had some words of wisdom, which I think is just really relevant to this. I'm going to quote her because I think she stated it pretty well. While show committees get much of the credit when a show goes well, exhibitors themselves have a big impact. I've noticed in many cases that those exhibitors who make it a point to tell the committee that they enjoyed the show are the same exhibitors that volunteer to help out at the show. Anything from offering to take over as ring stewards so the steward can get a break to helping fellow exhibitors get their animals up to the ring so the show can keep flowing smoothly. The success of a show depends on everyone in attendance, not just the show committee. Yes, I think let's leave it at that because Robin summed it up nicely here maybe we'll have to bring Robin. we on should yes uh our, our last thing here we're going to talk about is what are some of our favorite shows we've been to kind of pay some some homage to the great shows that we've attended here um and give some recognition and maybe some people that as you're planning your show you can reach out to and say okay what did they do great about it so let's go ahead laura go start start with your top shows <laughs> okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna mention one that you and i talked about the other day the group in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, one of the last shows yes. that I judged as a licensed judge. Um, I went to that show with my 10-month-old baby boy. That show committee embraced me as a new mom and all the extra baggage that that entailed. And um, Alan Cunningham and his crew down there, they made it not just a fun show, but made it a fun weekend. Everything from eating at Ralph and Cuckoo's um, to making sure that I really enjoyed the flavor of Baton Rouge. But the courtesy of that show, the organization, um, it was upbeat. And that was in 1994. And I still remember how amazing that show was. Yes, I judged that show in 2000 and. 15, I want to say, I, I, Mr. Alan Cunningham, you're going to have to fact check me on that um, if, you, if you listen to this here. Um, but I judge that. That was my first really large show um, where I had been out of District 4. So it was, it's great. The quality of goats is great down there. The food is outstanding. They have a, a fish fry, which is awesome in louisiana and the people are great yeah it was that was an awesome one one of the other shows that stands out to me and i appreciate that maybe nostalgia is coloring this but the hoosier classic in indianapolis indiana was where it was held back in the 80s and 90s that was one of the top shows in the nation at that time it was one of the largest shows they always had the top quality national show judges and went out of their way to make sure that they had them strong competition they were one of the first shows to do um, multiple rings it was an outstanding location that was just if you had a winner at the hoosier classic you really had something that was that was an amazing show yes i remember one year and I, this was when i was young um i remember going there and we we did very well with one of our alpines 
and we and we still use the picture on our website of this dough to recognize her from the Hoosier Classic. It was the premier dairy goat show, um, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, um, because of the competition it held. Yeah, it was it was just that one for a long time. That was the show that I judged all other shows against. Speaking on similar to the Hoosier Classic, I judged the goat show um, in Northwest Oregon. The new Agda show here uh, two years ago was myself and my dad were judging, which was great and fun. Um, but the reason why it was super fun was the competition there. And that kind of goes back to the Hoosier Classic. Um, national show quality does. And then being able as an exhibitor to um, size up your does and see where they are in relation to other top does, potentially in the nation, if not in the region, makes a top, make really makes a top goat show. But I'm talking competitive deep classes of at least seven does that would be in the top 15 at nationals, in my mind, um, in multiple breeds was super fun. I think we judged about 500 goats from 8 to 11 p.m. at night. Um, and then went to a Denny's where I found a cockroach in my nachos. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need a Denny's anymore. Ew, but gross. Um, def, def, definitely um, a show that I will never forget because of the competition, similar to your thoughts on the Hoosier Classic back in the day. You had mentioned the Bluff, the Bluff Country show. Um, I think about that as the Minnesota Goat Ladies show. I've not gotten to show there, but it's on my bucket list. So in addition to some cool awards, say a little bit about why this made your list of top shows. Marge Kitchen, Carol Dronin, um, the Thompsons, uh, they do a phenomenal job setting up a show. Um, for everything from the facilities are great in Caledonia, Minnesota, till at night they host a party. Um, and it's always themed every year. Um, so there was like a luau theme one year and they bring in spirits and want or wine spirits and beer for their exhibitors to drink. And there's always a phenomenal meal and there's raffles and gift baskets and, and all sorts of good things. In addition to having some great competition there, the people are really good. And then that party, that dinner that they have at the end of the night is always a blast. Oh, that's definitely on my bucket list then. Yes, yes. The Boone Companions show that they, end of May is when they've moved it to now. They have a really great dinner too. And that's always a lot of fun. One of the earlier shows around here that people tend to go to as well. So I wanted to give a shout out to them. Yeah, one thing, and, I, and this is on both of our lists actually, is this uh, Illini Interstate Showdown um, that the Illinois Club puts on. It's a six ring show. Uh, I love it, as we talked about, because it's close proximity to everything walmart uh farm and fleet um a highway there's food places right over there um so it's great proximity to things the facilities are very good and then the 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 it's just very well run for a multiple you know one of the show. things that really stood out to me about that show cameron was a when i pulled up there people who didn't know me didn't know me from anyone they were helping me to unload all the stuff that i had and that was like amazing because it was kind of late when I got in. But the other thing, they did such a good job of checking in your papers, like checking papers when you went in. They cut it down to the very bare minimum. Do you have your animals? Are they in these classes? Do you have the papers with you? And then we moved forward. And it was so painless and easy. And there were not animals that were missed. I mean, it was it was just a very well-run show. That was a lot of fun. I hope Hope they can do that again next year. Yes, the six ring show. Um, and that's an interesting show as well because 
it's a good mix of out of out of area judges that come in and this is a shameless plug for the show that i that my club helps run here but there's also a, a good mix of like local judges as well as out of state judges as well there and an idea for a club is getting club members that um to donate their time as shows or as judges in order to uh cut down on the that's cost. A, that's an awesome one of the shows that was a new one for me this year was the green county oklahoma show very laid-back environment but a really nice facility they had they're the ones who had the the awesome um, aluminum show boxes for awards and their whole community seemed to really jump in and do a lot to make this show a successful one. It wasn't a huge show, but it was a well-run show, and it was an official show, and and that was just a lot of fun. Uh, a nod to our Northeastern friends here and Northeast listeners. Um, the show in Vermont with the Vermont Dairy Goat, Southern Vermont Dairy Goat Association puts on um, is an incredible experience. If you ever have the opportunity to judge there, do not say no. Um, it is on, literally on the side of a mountain, um, and it is in – for lush forest areas in southern Vermont. Also, they have their own pavilion on the land that they own and a clubhouse. Really? That is awesome. Like a like a mountain clubhouse there. They put you up in a, a bed and breakfast and it's so cute. And uh, it's just, it's a cool experience to go to a goat show in a beautiful area. It's one ring. That's a, down, that's, that's a downside for some people, but it's very well run. The people are great. And it's just in a nice area to go to. So Vermont, the Southern Vermont Goat Show, uh, Dairy Goat Club, a very unique experience that I highly recommend if you're in that part of the country to put that on your bucket list there. One of the one of the other new shows that I got to branch out to this year was in Weeping Water, Nebraska. And I think they used to have a show for a long time because I can remember my in-laws talking about showing at Weeping Water. This was the first time that I was ever able to go there it was a beautiful facilities it was very easy to find and had some really top competition i mean some of the national show contenders from the midwest made it to that show and and again partly i'm sure it's because we really were eager to go to shows after having so many shows canceled this year but uh, that crew up there did a fantastic job of making that show run yeah and and again if we don't mention your dairy goat show here Feel free to drop it in the comments on Facebook or let us know what we missed because obviously we can't hit everything here. I felt like we did a great job trying to break it out by district here. But again, we are a little biased living in District 5 and District Absolutely. 4. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I think that concludes putting on a stellar I think so. And thank you guys so much to all of our listeners that um, – put in ideas on this so it was kind of a short turnaround and we got a lot of ideas today on this so um i'm i'm hoping as cameron said if you have some other thoughts on a stellar dairy goat show please put them on our facebook page because we'd like to share them with others cameron do you want yes, to talk maybe, about what we're going to do next maybe week? we'll yes yes next week we're bringing on our friend sarah cohen walberg from the blissberry herd and we're talking about buying and selling goats proper yeah, we want to we want to discuss what makes you the person that that sellers want to sell to and what um, makes you as a buyer, what makes you want to buy from a certain herd? You know, there's there's a lot of things that play into that. And um, we're really excited to have Sarah and, and thankful that she's willing to come and be on, be part of our show next week. Yes, yeah, Sarah sells a lot of goats and she's recently acquired um, some Sonnens too. So that'll be an interesting perspective to hear about um, as well as talking about some of the considerations on there. So have an awesome week, everybody. 
Cameron, as always, it's been a lot of fun. Have a safe trip home. Yes. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, leave a comment on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Again, we're available on Spotify, uh, Anchors, our website, um, iTunes, and Podbean, Stitcher. Are we available there yet? Are we working Um, on that? I'm not sure. We'll have to check on that. We'll we'll look into it there. But thank you all for listening. Have a great Thanks, Cameron. Goat Gab Podcasters, just wanted to let you know we've had so many more listeners who have offered some great ideas for shows. But Cameron and I have decided we're going to have a part two to putting on a stellar show. So stay tuned. We'll let you know when that episode's going to air and listen for your ideas. If you have any further ones, just let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week.